If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. It's the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Your daily download of X929 X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Offering affordable customization on your new home. It's Thursday, December 28th, 2023. The Beckler and Shauna Pisscast, episode 1567. Give or take, because I've probably mislabeled one at some point. The final episode of 2023. And I think it was a good one. I did not set out to work too hard today, but it turned out to be a pretty good show. Um, before we get into that, though, I do just want to thank you for your support again this year. Sean and I have been a show for eight years now. Almost nine. Seven on the morning show. This will be six as a podcast. Uh, and we wouldn't still be doing it if it wasn't for your support. Because like, if no one's listening, we're not going to keep putting out the podcast every day, but because we have such a, a loyal stable of penis heads, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be able to do this show for you every day. Thank you very much again for the support in 2023. We'll keep trying to bring it in 2024 as best we can. On today's show, a conspiracy theory involving President Biden, a business that is trying to be real progressive, but I don't know if they're actually succeeding. Don Cherry is furious about something that's happening in the hockey world. One of the dumber dateline investigations that I've done. And the top three funniest sounding medical conditions, in my opinion. We'll get to all that after your Out of Context clip. I'm not even that drunk! The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. I was reading an article from just before Christmas talking about how there have been quite a few cases of whooping cough in Alberta this year. It's been a bad year for whooping cough or pertussis, which is the more medical term for it. Uh... We're at like 831 cases. Two years ago, we had one, although I guess it was like COVID restrictions and stuff. But it's one of the worst years in the last decade, at least. Whooping cough, in my opinion, sounds like a lot more fun than I imagine that it is. Why they pick such a fun name for it? Like when I think of whooping cough, like... <coughs> sounds like a great time. I don't think it is a great time, though. I'd never heard someone with whooping cough. I found an example online. So it's like on the on the inhale. Uh, that doesn't sound like very much fun at all. But I thought, okay, if whooping cough is on my list of the, the funniest sounding medical conditions, what else is on there? So this is my top three, whooping cough number three. Uh, number two would be dropsy which is the old term for edema type of fluid retention. And it can be the, uh, it, it can be a sign of some pretty serious conditions. I think like heart failure, kidney problems, liver problems. Why did they pick such a fun little name for it though? Dropsy. He's got dropsy. Did you hear what happened to Beckler? He's got the dropsy. I picture the fainting goats, you know, where they just, ah. <laughs> that's, that's dropsy. That's not what dropsy is, though. Uh, and without question, in my opinion, the number one funniest sounding medical condition 
angina for obvious reasons. Angina. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. There is a YouTube pre-roll ad running right now. At least it's running on YouTube curated for me uh, for the beauty company L'Oreal. And it's talking about how they support all generations and that 15% of their employees at L'Oreal are over the age of 50. And I saw that and I was like, hang on a second. I mean, looking at the numbers, 50 isn't very old, especially in terms of the workforce, right? In Canada, retirement age is what, 67 now? So the average 50-year-old still has 17 working years left. That's a long time. So at 50, it's not like the company is you know, creating opportunities for seniors who might not otherwise be working. Like, to say, like, look, we got, we got all ages. This person's 50. It's like, well, yeah. Well, most 50-year-olds are still working, right? Most working 50-year-olds. Also, 15% seems average, if not low. Like, I'm just thinking about this company, and I think I would, we'd probably be 15% age 50 or higher, if not more. I'll say this, though. I mean, the company at L'Oreal is progressive for at least thinking about age discrimination in the workplace. That's a very real thing. You know, a friend recently tried to get hired, and she's in her 60s, and uh, said that she thinks that was a limiting factor for her, the, the, that people were worried that, you know, she wouldn't be up to speed with the workplace or that she was just going to work for a couple years and then retire. But that wasn't her intention, so she faced a bit of age discrimination. And age discrimination is not nearly as popular as the groups typically focused on by diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, right? Typically, it's racial diversity, then gender and orientation diversity. Maybe people with disabilities will get a cursory nod. Nobody's talking about ageism. No company is showing off their old timers, their Hall of Famers, their winter classics. None of that. In fact, oftentimes critics will look at a company's leadership and they'll say, oh, great, a bunch of rich old white guys again. Well, how old are we talking here? Are we talking diversity old? The and Shauna podcast. We were at McKenna's mom's house over Christmas, and uh, my my boys and their cousins had built a fort in her basement. And you can actually get these like fort building kits now because McKenna's mom was tired of them like taking all the couches, the cushions off her couch, and like stealing our blankets and stuff. So you can build, you can get like um, this this kit that comes. You build like the frame of a fort and then you drape a blanket over top of it or a sheet and it's actually pretty cool I thought it was a cool idea would have loved that when I was little but my youngest son Brigham who's six comes up to me and he's like can we borrow your phone to listen to music and I was like sure man like, what do you what are you guys listening to and he's like I don't know fast car or something and I was like the, the Tracy Chapman song you get a fast car I want to take it to anywhere. That's a pretty heavy song for the cousins to be listening to in the fort. And I got my phone back after they were done, and I went just through my like recently played list on Apple Music. And sure enough, that's what they were listening to. All these kids just sitting in the fort downstairs listening to Tracy Chapman sing about her pain, sing about her heartbreak. That song is an all-timer, though. Like, it is up there with very few other songs. The fact that it, I think it came out in 1988 and people were, you know, touched by it then. And then I remember when I first heard it, like in the 2000s and was like, holy crap, this is a good song. And now even the kids in 2023 sitting in a fort in grandma's basement, having a good weep over what happened to Tracy Chapman, man. I remember when we were driving. 
driving in your car. If you ever played hockey or you've ever watched hockey at basically any level, you'll be familiar with the handshake lineup that happens after the game. In the NHL, they only do it at the end of a playoff series. But in basically all other hockey, like you shake hands after the game with the opposing team, regardless of what happened on the ice. Well, uh, Hockey Newfoundland, the governing body for minor hockey in Newfoundland and Labrador, just announced that they're going to do away with the handshake lineup. They've had some incidents recently, some on-ice incidents involving the handshake lineup. And so now what they're going to do is have, before the game starts, the visiting team will skate by the home team's bench, and they're going to do like a glove tap. And this has many in the hockey community disappointed. And that's exactly the word that uh, Alan Letang, who's coaching Team Canada at the World Juniors right now, used. Uh, This was his quote. There's respect and camaraderie in sports. You can go out and compete hard against someone, but at the end of the game, it's great game, great job. Respect goes both ways. If I was coaching a team and stuff like that happened, you wouldn't put up with it. And that's what I'm wondering. Like, if there are incidents, if, you know, violent incidents involving the handshake lineup after the game, why not deal with the people who are responsible for it? Why not deal with the teams and coaches responsible for it as opposed to scrapping the whole thing? Like if you crack down hard on people who disrespect the handshake lineup, you won't have that problem anymore. Instead of just like doing away with what is what I think one of the best shows of sportsmanship in all of sports. So, I mean, the hockey community is disappointed with that decision. I'm disappointed with that decision. Don Cherry would be appalled by this. Oh, it says about Newfoundland and Labrador getting rid of the handshakes after the game. That's a proud tradition. Good Canadian boys shaking hands going back to the dawn of the game. And now they're doing away with it. I'll tell you what, tell you what here. I said this before. And I said this before here, kids. This is just another example of how soft this generation is. God, can't even look a guy on the ice, shake hands after a hard-fought hockey game. Yeah, you know what? You got a problem with the guy on the ice. You take his number. You hit him from behind next game. Or worst case scenario, you wait for him outside of the doors of the rink. And you guys exchange some knocks there. Support the troops. Let's go. Podcast. Sometimes when Shauna is away, as she is today, I like to launch investigations dateline style into different mysteries. Personal mysteries, like mysteries from my own life, mysteries around the station, general mysteries. Uh, and this one, I wouldn't say we exactly got to the bottom of it. It was inspired by a post an Instagram friend made recently. Let's get into it here. He came to town like a midwinter storm. He rode through the fields, so handsome and strong. His eyes was his tools, and his smile was his gun, but all he had come for was having some fun. This is the story of Cotton-Eyed Joe. Where did you come from? Where did you go? We may never know. For Dateline NBC, I'm Andrew Beckler. Good night. I have a few more Fortune 500 businesses for you. This is our list of local businesses with great puns in their name. We will take honorable mentions from outside of Calgary's immediate sphere of influence, but to be on the Fortune 500 list, you got to be like close enough that you could be considered a local business. I've got three of them here, actually. Um, just before I took off for Christmas, I was chatting with a, a fellow who installs EV chargers in homes, 
And his name is Brad. The company's called Common Ground Electric. And when we were chatting, it didn't even strike me that that's a great pun. And then after the fact, I was like, oh, yeah, Common Ground, great electrical pun. Welcome to the Fortune 500 list businesses. Uh, this one's in front of the show. Jeff, I don't remember if we feature this or not, but there's a, a burger chain around Calgary called, so it's I-Y-Y-C Berg, but I imagine it's meant to be pronounced Iceberg. So it's, uh, you know, you, you get the name of the city in there, the airport code, Iceberg. I don't know if that's actually how they say it or if they just say Iceberg, but it's close enough and that's a pun. And then finally, just down the street from us here on 17th, there is... A bar called One Night Stands. Stan is in like the name Stan, short for Stanley. Uh, and then I've, I've been there so many times and never really clued into the fact that that's a pun as well. I have a complex relationship with that place because it's, in my opinion, undoubtedly one of the best places to party in Calgary. Every time I've been to One Night Stands, I've had a tremendous time. Uh, but a couple of years ago, I was thrown out of there for seemingly no reason. At least I couldn't figure out why. I don't know if they had me confused with someone else or they thought I was super drunk when I wasn't. Because I'll tell you, I'll admit to you, I have been thrown out of a bar or two in my day when I deserve to be thrown out. This wasn't one of those times. Just a bouncer came up and was like, you got to go. And I said, why? And he's like, you got to go. And what are you going to do at that point? Like make a big scene? Of course not. You can't even really say anything. I can't be like, I'm not that drunk. I'm not that drunk. That's something that a drunk would say. Isn't it? As you're getting hauled out, I'm not even that drunk. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. And it's tough not to hold a little bit of a grudge against a place after something like that happens because, you know, my friends were coming out and they're like, why? What's what's going on? Why'd you get kicked out? I was like, I don't I don't even know. I didn't get an explanation from that doorman. Never did. I just found myself out on the street. It's a grave injustice. But it is a super fun place to party. And for that reason... I have been back since, despite the injustice that I suffered. <laughs> um, we were driving through a parking lot yesterday, and my youngest, Brigham, he's, you know, he can read now, so he's just doing that thing that you do when you learn how to read, where you read everything, every sign, every wrap on every vehicle. And we passed this, uh, this, this truck for Elan Construction, E-L-A-N, I think that's how you say it, Elan Construction. And their motto, at least on the uh, on the decal on this truck, was the better way to build. And my son Brigham was like, hey, the better way to build is Shane Holmes. Or I guess with his little guy accent, hey, the better way to build is Shane Holmes. So he knows, he knows that if you're building a home in Calgary, Shane Holmes has been at it for four decades. They've built over 15,000 homes. They have quite a bit of experience in this field. And they're going to be able to make your family's dreams a reality. You can learn more at ShaneHolmes.com. Shane Holmes the better way to build. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. Etymology with Shauna. I read an explanation recently about where the term horsepower comes from. Shauna's not here today, so I'll be your etymologist. Because horsepower is an interesting term. I mean, you imagine that it has something to do with horses, and you would be right. But when they say like a two-horsepower engine, you know, a 300-horsepower a, a vehicle, what, what specifically is that measurement? Um, so it goes back to the 1700s and the steam engine. There was a Scottish engineer named James Watt, and he had developed a new and improved steam engine, and he needed a way to sell this to customers who didn't have a steam engine currently, who were still working with horses. So he just so he decided to make the comparison to the amount of work that, that horses could do. So he, he looked at horses pushing a milling wheel, 
And he did some calculations and figured that a horse could generate about 33,000 foot-pounds per minute. So based on that, he claimed that his engine, his steam engine, was 10 horsepower. And that's how he was able to explain this to people who weren't otherwise familiar with the steam engine. Uh, and I guess some of his calculations were wrong about the, 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 the power of a horse, and it's since been revised a little. Um, a horse isn't one horsepower. A horse is actually, um, like, they can generate about five and a half horsepower, briefly. Humans, the average healthy human can generate 1.2 horsepower, briefly, and sustain about 0.1 horsepower over time. Um and then if you're like really athletic, you could probably do about two and a half horsepower. Also, the unit of power known as the watt, like if you say a 65 watt light bulb, that's the same guy, this Scottish engineer, James Watt. That was his contribution to science. Etymology with Shauna. The Fagler and Shauna Podcast. Welcome to Conspiracy Corner, your platform for outlandish conspiracy theories. This one is definitely outlandish. I heard it on the Joe Rogan podcast, and I'm not a not really a Joe Rogan fan, but he was interviewing a guest that I liked, and they mentioned this theory about President Joe Biden. Apparently, if you look at photos of Joe Biden from before the 2020 presidential campaign, his earlobes were detached. Like, he had the type of earlobes that hang down and dangle the ones that are easier to pierce. But afterwards, Joe Biden now has attached earlobes. His earlobes detach. They attach directly to his neck. Two very different types of earlobes genetically on the same man. How can that be? The theory, well, I mean, there are a few theories. One theory is that Joe Biden had a facelift, but that one isn't as much fun as the idea that Joe Biden uses a body double because there's been a lot of speculation about the president's cognitive decline. So if you need to, you know, trot someone out there for interviews and you have a convincing body double, even if the earlobes aren't exactly perfect, why not? Now, this isn't the first time that president Biden has been accused of using a body double. Some of the other evidence, though, like there was a, some post that went around talking about how in this clip he was signing something with his left hand instead of his right. Um, his eye color was different. I think that has been pretty thoroughly debunked as just like doctored images, which is so easy to do these days, obviously, right? You can, I mean, with, with the technology that we have, you can create a video of somebody saying something they didn't say. And it's very hard to disprove that it's actually real. So that I'm not totally convinced about. But the earlobes thing is a little bit weird. It could totally be a facelift. Or it could be a body double. Or maybe Joe Biden died and they replaced him with someone else. Ooh. On the plausibility scale, how many Manchurian candidates out of 10 are we giving the Joe Biden earlobe conspiracy? How many... Leave Schreiber's out of 10. Does this one get? I'm going to go with 15. Leave Schreiber's out of 10. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. Hey, hey, what did you learn today? I'm reading this book right now. and The author was talking about swimming at the Ivy League universities in the early 1900s because the subject of this book attended Yale around that time and was on the swimming team. And there was an event back then 
in addition to the swimming events that we're more familiar with, like the you know 50 meter, 100 meter heats or whatever, um, called the plunge for distance. Have you ever heard of the plunge for distance? Because this is hilarious. So this is an event that used to be found at swim meets, and a swimmer would start on the blocks, jump in, but then they weren't allowed to like kick or propel propel their body in any way once in the water. They just had to lay face down and float as far as they could based on their momentum from the jump. As far as they could get in 60 seconds. This sport, the plunge for distance, actually was in the Olympics in 1904, just for that one year. Um, And it was popular but also criticized. I got to read this paragraph Um, From Wikipedia, the plunge for distance page for you. I'm just going to read this word for word. In later years, the plunge was subject to criticism as not an athletic event at all, but instead a competition favoring, quote, mere mountains of fat who fall in the water more or less successfully and depend upon inertia to get their points for them. John Kiernan, sports writer for the New York Times, once described the event as the slowest thing in the way of athletic competition and that the stylish stout chaps who go in for this strenuous event merely throw themselves heavily into the water and float along like icebergs in the ship lanes. Similarly, an 1893 English report on the sport noted that spectators were not enamored of it as the diver, quote, moves after 30 or 40 feet at a pace somewhat akin to a snail and to the uninitiated, the contests appear absolute wastes of time, end quote. So I, you can just picture that, right? So being super in shape wouldn't be an advantage because fat floats better. So if you're a bit overweight, you just chuck yourself into the water and hopefully get a good glide going. 60 seconds face down. How far can you get? There you go. You're a swimming champion. (laughs) It's so funny. It's like who has the most buoyant body? Who has the most streamlined body? Body. Whose body is the most streamlined? Who's the most hairless like a dolphin? That's who's going to win this one. You've been listening to the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Offering affordable customization on your new home. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative. X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at X92.9.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have Beckler and Shauna downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later. After Hours, a weekly podcast that brings X Afternoons with Mariah and Ty to another level of awesome and allows you to listen on your own terms. Go behind the curtain and hear the stuff you won't hear on the radio. Like, fuck, they're going to say fuck. Find X After Hours wherever you get your podcasts or on the X app.